Welcome to True Crime Garage. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thanks for listening. I'm your host, Nick, and with me, as always, is a man with a reminder. Don't whistle in the elevator. Here is the captain. It's good to be seen and good to see you. Thanks for listening. Thanks for telling a friend. This week, we are very excited to be featuring Mallow Hallows by our friends over at Tactical Brewing Company. This is an imperial stout aged in oat whiskey barrels with cocoa nibs, marshmallows, and a graham crackers added. Sounds like a perfect campfire beer for this fall season. ABV 11% garage grade four and a quarter bottle caps out of five. And let's give some praise and thank you to our friends for helping us fill up the old garage fridge this week. First up, shout out to Philip from Bluebell, Pennsylvania. And last but certainly not least, Captain, we have a shout out to Tabitha from Rancho Cordova, California. Everyone we mentioned went to our website and helped us out with this week's beer run. Yeah, B-W-E-R-R-U-N, beer run. If you need more True Crime Garage for your earballs, we are now available on Patreon. And our bonus content is also available through the Apple Podcasts app. Thank you so much for the support. We love you. And that's enough of the business. All right, everybody, gather around, grab a chair, grab a beer. Let's talk some true crime. Maryland. During the late evening hours of August 5th, 2023, 37-year-old Rachel Marin was reported missing by her boyfriend. The boyfriend told police that the last time he had spoke with Rachel, she was heading to a hiking trail in the state's small northeast town of Bel Air. He was uncertain if she had made it to her destination. But if so, she failed to return from her walk. She should have arrived at the trail around 6 p.m. that day. Not too long after the call was placed, Rachel's car was found at an entrance to the trail. But unfortunately, Rachel was nowhere in sight. At 1.07 p.m. the following day, a citizen called 911 to report a female's body had been located off of the trail alerting emergency services that it was obvious that this person was deceased. Law enforcement officials noted after the discovery that the case then went from a missing persons investigation to a homicide investigation. However, the cause of death and details about the crime scene have not been released to the public. A $10,000 reward is being offered, leading to the identity and arrest of the person suspected in her slaying, and her case has led local, state, and federal law enforcement on a multi-state manhunt for weeks. Her killer remains at large. This is True Crime Garage. For this week's case, we are going to go out to a place that some may not have heard of before. It was new to me as well, Captain. This is a place called the Ma and Pa Heritage Trail. We're going to go out to the great state of Maryland for a case that is very much in the news and in the spotlight right now. And that's because it's a case that just came out, just broke a little over a month ago. So we're going to do our best to give you up-to-date coverage on this true crime story. Now, this is straight from the website, mapaltrail.org. And here's what we learn about this location. The Ma and Paul Heritage Trail is located on portions of the former Maryland and Pennsylvania Railroad Corridor in Bel Air and Forest Hill, Maryland. 
The Ma and Paul Heritage Trail is the best place to walk, run, and bike in Harford County. Currently, the trail consists of a 3.3-mile section in Bel Air and a 1.7-mile segment in Forest Hill. Recently, in a partnership with the town of Bel Air, Harford County has acquired an easement for a small stretch of land that will finally allow for the connection of its Bel Air and Forest Hill sections. The eventual connection will result in a nearly eight-mile-long trail that runs through the heart of Bel Air, Maryland. Now, from the looks of it to me, Captain, not a resident, I believe that they have already started building and shaping that easement. And so if you get in search engine this location and start looking, they show a lot of aerial views of the trail system here. And it will look as though that some of it has just been developed. So why is the Ma and Pa Trail important? Well, it's important because we have Rachel Morin, age 37. She's a mother of five. She reportedly went onto those trails and that was the last known whereabouts and she was reported missing. That's exactly right, Captain. Part of that report, the missing persons report that was filed late on August 5th, 2023, states that Rachel Morin, age 37, is believed to be, or the statement by the person providing and filing the report, is that she was last seen around 6 p.m. on Saturday, August 5th, when she left to go walk, hike on the Ma and Paul Trail in Bel Air. And then the bolo goes out stating the same. We're looking for this woman, this mother of five, age 37. They give a description of her, and they're saying, if anyone has information about Rachel Morin, please contact Detective Golden. He is with the Harford County Sheriff's Department, and they give his phone number, 410-836-5430, and looking for information. Now, unfortunately, after about twenty less than 24 hours after she's reported missing, the body of Maryland mom, mother of five, Rachel Morin, was discovered by what this report from the New York Post states is one of her close friends. And it immediately seemed clear that she had been murdered, according to what the information was coming out. So here's what we have, Captain, and this is what we learned very early on in this investigation. Rachel had recently started dating a guy. He's, he's listed and known online and social media as her boyfriend. And I've never done this myself, but apparently just about a week before she goes missing, he declares the two a couple on his Facebook page. He updated his status. Updated the status. Mine has been complicated for decades. Now, she goes missing, according to this man, and he calls and reports her as such. And this is kind of stating the obvious here, Captain, right? But a lot of people immediately from Jump Street are suspicious of this new boyfriend that she has. Of course. And, and do we have a report of who reported her missing? It was from, from the information I found, it was the boyfriend that reported her missing. Right. And and like we know, a lot of these cases, I mean, heck, there's T-shirts that say the husband did it or the boyfriend did it. And like we know, in most cases, you have to look at the inner circle first. So he reports her missing. And as the events go, what we are told is that her schedule leading up to the 6 p.m. time frame on Saturday, August 5th, is that that afternoon she went to a spray tanning session followed by a workout at a gym where she is a member of. And from my understanding, the boyfriend is a member at that gym as well. And I believe he was present at the gym for this workout. I don't know if they were going to be working out together or if they just plan to be in the same location at the same time. So according to the report, after she goes to this workout at the gym, then she's going to go walk or hike or jog on this Mon Paw Trail in Bel Air. Now, this is not out of the norm for Rachel. 
she all three of these activities are pretty regular routine activities for Rachel. She's an avid person at the gym. She regularly goes and walks, hikes, jogs this trail. I've even heard some statements that she does the, walks the trail daily or multiple times a day. I, I think multiple times a day seems a little out of bounds, but this information is coming in a little fast and furious, and some of it we've not been able to vet every piece of information that's coming out because this is a case that has hit the spotlight. And as we've seen in other cases, when that happens, you're going to have to sift through information, some of it good, some of it bad. Yeah, and it might sound a little strange, but it, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. She seems to be a little bit of a fitness nut, which is not a bad thing, and some people become obsessive with getting a certain number of steps in. So, you know, you break it up twice a day. I've been hoping to become a fitness nut for years. It it never stuck. We do a lot of fitness in the garage. We try to fit the beer into our mouths. Now, let's go to this New York Post article and sift through some of the information here. This comes out August 9th, and the headline is, Rachel Morin's body was found by Pal who suspected murder. And it reads, The body of Maryland mom of five, Rachel Morin, was discovered by one of her close friends, and it immediately seemed clear that she had been murdered. Michael Gabareski, and I apologize to Michael G. there. I've heard 12 different people say his name 12 different ways. Let's just call him Michael G. Michael G. He said that he and his stepdaughter, along with a friend, joined with other volunteers in looking for the missing 37-year-old mom when they found her remains. This near a drain of the Ma and Paul Heritage Trail in Bel Air on Sunday afternoon. So her body, unfortunately, is located less than 24 hours or so after she's reported missing. And from my understanding, Captain, there are tunnels off of this trail. They're they're like drainage tunnels. And as the story goes, and, and we have to say this because the information coming out, a lot of this is not from law enforcement. Law enforcement is very tight-lipped about this case, and we will understand why, or at least I believe I understand why, and we'll get into those details as we get into the known details. But we'll also talk about some of the rumors that are coming out. Some of them are some of them hold their water. Or beer. Because some of this information will come from Michael G. and the persons that were with him assisting, hoping to find this woman alive and maybe injured off of the trail or what have you. But instead they find her having been murdered and stating that it was obvious from looking at the scene and looking at her body that the case was murder here. So he says to the newspapers... Quote, I kept telling them to search the tunnels because I had a feeling about those tunnels. He goes on to say, I walked forward to search the one tunnel and they searched the other one. And that's where they found her. He said this of his stepdaughter and another friend. I'm uncertain here, Captain, if the friend is a friend of the stepdaughter or a friend of Michael G's. The friend in, in the information I've reviewed is not named. The condition of Rachel Morin's remains suggested that she had been murdered, this according to Michael G., and he did not elaborate immediately to exactly why. But he did say that his stepdaughter was the one that found Rachel Morin's body on that Sunday afternoon. He said he was glad to bring her home so she can find a final resting place. And for her family, that that door can finally be closed and they can get the investigation on and hopefully catch the person that did this, he said. He said that I hope they prosecute the perpetrator to the fullest extent of the law. Again, Rachel Morin was 37 years old, last seen heading out, according to the report that was filed, on the Ma and Paul Trail around 6 p.m. on that Saturday. The body is found on the Sunday. Now, what we do have immediately here, Captain, is after her body is found, we talked about people being suspicious of the boyfriend, and that is for good reason. Not just the statistics that we know, the unfortunate homicide statistics that we have in our country, but also the fact that they've not been together very long. There was quick information coming out that Rachel was on 
several dating sites. Some people suggesting, I, this always kind of rubs me the wrong way when people are like, you know what, I'm going to fill in the blanks. I got, I got no clue what's going on. And I know that we offer up speculation here, but I feel like sometimes it's just knee-jerk reaction. They're like, you, you just want, if people are going to speculate, you want them to at least start their own podcast. Start their own podcast yeah. or sit on the thought for more than 30 seconds before you reveal it to the world. Unless you have a podcast. Well, I've, I've sat on this thought for about three days. Okay. So the, the thought was, not mine, but the thought was people were saying, oh, well, he must have been jealous. He, they're together and she's on all these dating sites. And it's like, wait a second. He just posted days or a week before she goes missing that the two are a couple. Maybe she's just, her profile's still on the date. Maybe she's found the person that she wants to date and her profile just happens to still be there. Yeah. We don't know what, which sites these are. So maybe she paid for a service and she's going to let it run out at the end of the month. Who it knows? doesn't exactly mean she's already looking to replace this guy. Right. So, but do we have any criminal history on this guy? Well, he does have a rap sheet. And mm -hmm. so what we have with him here is what's been reported is that there's been upwards of a dozen or so arrests in his background. Oh, that's a lot. And from my understanding, some, uh, at least one of those arrests is, stems from domestic violence accusations. Now, here's what we do want to say, right? Good job, meathead. What we do want to say from the reporting that's out there, right? it's accusations not convictions. And uh, when we say the upwards of a dozen or so arrests, we don't know that they are all domestic violence related. We, what we do know is that this individual has struggled with drugs in the past and he's worked very hard to get clean. In fact, one of the first things that he says to the media, when they turn their cameras on him and their microphones on him with suspicious eyes, he says, look, I've been clean now for 14 or 15 months Yeah, and we've all unfortunately known somebody that has had to battle addiction and it is not easy at all. And so we say to all of you out there, keep stacking days if you can. And I cannot imagine this individual, let's pretend for a moment that he's perfectly innocent and that he's filing this report because he cares about this woman and he's worried about where she could be. Right. Let's pretend that he's innocent and say, I hope that these suspicious eyes and, and cameras and microphones and the, the social media angle of it and losing a loved one doesn't make his battle more difficult. Well, this would also be difficult. I mean, you, you got clean and here's this young lady, mother of five. She's working out at the gym. You guys catch eyes. You now start dating. She's now officially your girlfriend. Things are going in a good direction in your life. And then she goes missing. And then because of his efforts and because of her friends and family's efforts, they go out looking for her. They find her. She has been murdered. And all eyes are on you. I mean, that would be a difficult situation. I mean, like, like they say, it's day to day as far as sobriety goes, and this would be a difficult day to not run and hide uh, from the circumstances. Well, and the suspicion was here, this sounds like something out of crime fiction, but it's believable. The suspicion here, Captain, was that, well, he, maybe they got in a fight or an argument, things got crazy. Right. He killed her and then placed her body off of these trails and later calls it in. Hey, she frequents these trails. She went there on that day or said she was going there. The last I saw her, she never come home. And so that would be a relatively elaborate scheme to cover one's tracks right. and stage a scene that would may even suggest that somebody else perpetrated this homicide. Now, the Harford County Sheriff's Office, this is a statement that they release on Tuesday. Rachel goes missing on Saturday, body found on Sunday. So two days after recovering the remains, the sheriff's department is saying that they had received almost 90 tips from the public. They are also stating no suspects have been publicly named 
as of Tuesday, and then that carried on with a follow-up statement saying the same thing on that Wednesday. Now, the media did interview the boyfriend. His name is Richard Tobin, and he said, this is Monday, the day after his girlfriend's body is found, he says, look, I, I was not involved in her death in any way at all. His statement is, quote, I love Rachel. I would never do anything to her. Let the family and I grieve. Yes, I have a past. So he's not hiding from the fact that he has blemishes on his record. Yes, I have a past, but I also have been 15 months clean and have changed as a person. Please. No, and that's, again, every case um, that we look at, if the victim has a husband, boyfriend, girlfriend, whoever is connected, I'm more suspicious if the individual doesn't understand why people are not questioning him, why law enforcement is looking at at that individual. I question it more if they're like, well, why are you looking at me? Right. It's just what happens. So the ones that seem a little more intelligent to go, hey, I understand you have to you have to vet me first. Well, a local councilwoman along with community members was working to organize a a walk on the trails to honor Rachel's life and it sounds like that came to fruition. The councilwoman stating and saying publicly such a heinous act, you know, and it shouldn't go unnoticed. We need to come out in numbers and you know what? Who knows? Maybe we'll even get some tips and we can help out with this investigation. Now, police and detectives are still pleading to the public for information at that time in the investigation, stating if you were on the Ma and Paul trail on that Saturday or near the trail or the trail heads and happen to take photos or any type of video, we are asking if you would please share them with investigators. Well, then also investigators are going to have to go around the community and look for, you know, store CCTV footage and, and other surveillance footage that they might be able to gather uh, to get an idea of who was coming in and out of that park. Well, yeah, and also to lead you down the path to figure out one of the other, right? Did Rachel arrive there on her own, alive and well? and was attacked at the trail system or did like some people were concerned about, did somebody kill her elsewhere and then take the body and place it at the trail system? And if that were to be the case, then of course all eyes should be on the boyfriend because he's the one that reports her missing with the added detail of the last time I spoke with her, she was heading to the Ma and Paul trail. Now from the Ma and Paul website, the trail website, they state that Harford County Sheriff's deputies were planning to provide increased patrols on the trail system starting on that Monday, August 7th, 2023. The increased presence is expected to continue throughout the week. couple things here. Killer could return to the scene. We know that that is and can be the case in some situations. The other thing, too, is this is a community area. This is a community space. This is a place that many people go, some of them even daily, for exercise or just to be out in the beautiful God's green earth, having some fun, some recreation. And they wanted they wanted the public to know that this was once a safe place and this will continue to be a safe place, even though we are investigating this homicide. They also were reminding the community and continue to ask the public for assistance in providing law enforcement with information and details. They say no matter how big or small, just call them in, send us that information, and let us sort it out and figure out if this is important to our case or not. Don't rationalize any of this away. Send it to us. Let us sort it out. Help the detectives with this case. Adding that there could be something helpful in one of your photos or one of your videos that might bring detectives and give to them one more piece of the puzzle.
All right, we are back. Cheers, mates. Onward and upward. Are you guys excited for CrimeCon? Your buddy and my buddy, the Colonel, will be there. And for the last time, Colonel, for the last yes, time, because I keep seeing stuff on social media, I'm so excited to go to CrimeCon to meet Captain and the Colonel. We've announced and have not changed the statement for the last year that right. I will not be attending CrimeCon this year, and it's for personal reasons. I have warrants out in Florida. I have <laughs> personal <laughs> conflicts. Uh, I have to spend a little time in jail. That's right. Uh, they say, uh, or or rehab, or whatever you want to call it. So, anyways, uh, I will not be there. So you will, you, if you meet me there. You must be really high or drunk, but Colonel will be there. I'm going to get Bob Ruff to stand next to me and just say this and wear a uh, band the van t-shirt and, <laughs> and everybody will be convinced that it's you. No, crispy Colonel will be extra crispy. I promise you this weekend yes. in Orlando, Florida, excited about crime con. If you're not following our show on social media you can at true crime garage if you're not following me you can on twitter or x or whatever they're calling it these days at tcgnic i'm going to post on there the uh hours that i will be extra crispy at the podcast row uh for each day plus special announcement sound the trumpets uh-huh. that's right we fired the horn section sorry uh little meetup action at tactical brewing company in orlando those details will be on our social media soon. And that's for everybody. You don't have to be going to CrimeCon. That's correct. To go to Tactical Brewing Company. And and a big, hey, look, big shout out to Tactical Brewing Company. Those people are awesome. It might not be for everyone. I'm guessing it's probably 21 and up at uh, Tactical. But if you can't make it to CrimeCon, but you can make it to Tactical, even better. Love to see you there. And to be clear, what happens at CrimeCon is that the 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 meetup area is open for like 10 hours, but obviously we're not going to expect the podcast row. Yeah. yeah. The podcast row hours are open for a very long time period. So not everybody's going to be there for 10, 10 the, hours in a row. The Colonel is a sprinter, not a marathoner. <laughs> okay. Very much a sprinter. All right. Let's this uh, case. Yeah. Let's get back to this case, captain, because this one is very hot right now. And I'm, I'm, appreciative that this is hot in the media because of where the details of this case if you don't know of this case so far the details are going to lead us to why it is necessary for us to be covering this case this week and why i am grateful and appreciative that this case is hot in the media right now so again detectives still asking for help in this case stating if you were on the ma and pa trail on that saturday when rachel went missing or near the trail or trailheads and took photos or videos, please send those to the sheriff's office. They were updating us on the 8th of August, saying that they had received about 200 tips submitted to the sheriff's office by that time, still seeking more information, saying uh, that they want your help no matter how big or how small. Please send any information. They will quickly update that information to state that the tips, as you can see, are growing by the day and thankful to this community for being one coming out to the area to look and help search for Rachel and eventually finding, unfortunately finding her remains there near the trail system, but then grateful to the community for banding together and providing law enforcement with information in this case. Let's get into a little bit of the speculation. We talked about some people worried that maybe she had been killed elsewhere and then the body placed there. The boyfriend reporting her missing. He does have a past and he doesn't hide from that past. Some suggesting maybe something happened between the two and she was placed there and then he calls her in, reports her missing as some elaborate scheme, as a bit of a cover-up. The thing here is... Early goings in this investigation, we had the public and we had many people speculating. And I love to sit back and read and listen to the speculation. Why? Because I'm trying to sort out these details. The captain's trying to sort out these details. 
and we're doing our own sort of investigation from the garage. Now, one thing that I think threw a bit of a wrench in the situation is that, remember, we have our individual that went out there with two other persons and located the body. So Michael G. is talking openly to news outlets and to the media and to newspapers. And he's giving his own assessment of the crime scene and of the victim that was found. Right. Interestingly enough, he is saying that what he believed he witnessed at the crime scene was overkill with our victim. And he had stated, it sounded like the department had got to him quick enough to say, hey, look, don't give away all the details. We need to hold back. We have hold back information that we want to use in this case. So please, you can talk to reporters, but don't give away our whole case. And so he says in kind of a cryptic way, there won't be an open casket. I can tell you that. And he also says that he believes that there was overkill present at the scene. And he says that this to him is very suggestive that the person that killed her knew her, that this was not a stranger on stranger crime. And he's basing that off of his, well, again, he's helpful. He's out there searching for this individual trying to help. Right. But again, he's, he's not a trained professional to be, and even trained professionals get this stuff wrong because, look, we know, yeah, sometimes o- this overkill, quote-unquote, is a sign that it's person personal to the killer, that the victim probably knew the killer. And then sometimes it just means the person is a complete psychopath. Well, and we d- reviewed a case last week, Charlotte Fimiano, still unsolved. Some have suggested... The argument in her case has always been, is this a perfect stranger that killed her or somebody that had a vendetta against her? Yeah, not to be gross, but I I think a lot about that. The Dahmer case where he brought the victim up to the hotel room, blacked out, doesn't remember, wakes up, and the whole chest is concaved because he pounded his chest with his fist. That's overkill. Dahmer probably didn't even know the guy's name. So sometimes it's it has nothing to do with whether whether or not they knew their victim, and I think the problem with shows like Mine Hunter and heck our podcast and other podcasts is that we think that there's like always a, a pattern or that there's always a rhyme or a reason. Well, there's always outliers. That's true, and the thing that we talked about when reviewing the Fimiano case last week, and we went straight to Joe Kennedy's, Joe D. Kennedy's book, Solving Cold Cases, Investigation Techniques and Protocols. He's a well-seasoned detective. He's solved homicide cases, both fresh and very cold. And in fact, for those of you that subscribe to Off the Record, you will hear his co-author at some point, Hogan Hilling. But right from his book, this, I, I love learning from these seasoned detectives. And he says, be careful and do not assume there is a close personal relationship between the suspect and victim based on evidence of overkill, such as excessive stab wounds, ex- extensive blunt force trauma at the crime scene. If ligatures and restraining devices are present, there was likely a sexual component to the murder. This should be considered before exploring other motives unless it is obviously another crime gone bad. And examples of that would be robbery, burglary, home invasion, or such. Or the victim was restrained so the primary crime could be completed. The first part of that is key here. Do not assume a close personal relationship between suspect and victim based on overkill. And then the other thing that the captain was honing in on right there that is so such a powerful thing in these investigations overkill is not easily determined either like like what you're saying with the Dahmer thing yes that is overkill but it's not necessarily overkill because he had a close personal relationship with that particular victim right and we've discussed this several times here it, so sometimes overkill can be a sign of other telling information about your suspect 
One can be mental illness. There's this, and I'm not going to claim to understand the science of it, but I've had it explained to me several different times by several different seasoned investigators and criminal psychologists that say that sometimes the mentally, a mentally ill perpetrator does not know their victim, but is so intent on not just killing them, but destroying them and that they have to destroy the image of that person to be successful with what they're trying to achieve in their own mind. And the way they do that is most times to destroy the face of the victim. Right. And like, and the other thing that we've learned over time from experts is sometimes the victims are actually not the, the actual target. Correct. In Edmund's Kemper case, he, he learned himself after killing all these innocent women that actually the person that he was trying to kill was his mother. That's exactly right. And we talked about Gary Ridgway plenty of times, the Green River Killer. You know, we've talked about this too, Captain, where we sometimes on Stranger on Stranger Crimes, especially when you have a male, a man killing a female, especially a grown woman, is you almost have a surrogate victim. That 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 female represents somebody else to the killer. Right. And Gary Ridgway, we also talked about hate crimes, right? And I'm not talking about black on white, white on black, or somebody killing somebody because they're from a certain creed or a certain sexuality. We're not talking about that. One thing that, that goes that is not discussed and not categorized here in our country and really any other country is there are hate crimes based off of gender. Man hates all women. Right. So he goes on a destructive path of killing every woman in his way. Anytime he thinks he can get away with it, he seeks and he destroys. And we know for a fact that is exactly what Gary Ridgway did because that's what he told us that he did. Why did you kill? I hate women. Yeah, and it doesn't matter if they're short, they're tall, fat, skinny. It doesn't matter if they're straight or gay. It, it doesn't, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what color their hair is. They're... There's no victim type. The victim type is simply, I hate females. I'm going to kill all females. Gary, why did you kill so many women? His answer, because I hate them all. Yeah. I hate them all. So don't start. Because he's a giant pile of shit. Yeah. Right. And, and with us getting so little details here, and even this individual who found the body, he's making leaps that I, th I think muddy the waters very early on. Now, we talked about suspects in this case. And what's great here is right from Jump Street, we have the boyfriend, everybody's suspicious of the boyfriend, and law enforcement was as well, rightfully so. He reports her missing, and he's in a relationship with her. That gives you two reasons. They also become suspicious of Michael G., who found the body. Now, he goes out there with other individuals and finds the discovery that nobody wanted to find, nobody was hoping to find. But this is what he comes across, and we we do know that when you have someone who finds the body, they must be looked at and then cleared as a suspect. You either have to develop them as a better suspect or remove them as a suspect, start to eliminate them. Now, the thing here in this case, Captain, is you have Michael G. who says some strange things. And I don't know, I, I think that this article reads a little suspect when they say pal i don't know if they mean that the person that found rachel was a close friend of rachel's or was a close friend of michael g who was out there with them right well uh, well how about we all put on our detective hats and 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 you can read this to us but the the other part of that's not in the article that we that we've reviewed is he gives a statement about the tunnels he had never been to this area before. We know that her body was either found in one of the tunnels or very near one of the tunnels. And the, and that's in a very secluded area of the these trail systems. It's it's more or less off of the trail itself. And he says he had never been to the trails one, but two says that I just kept seeing tunnels. I just kept seeing tunnels for some reason in my mind, and I don't know why. But then when me and some of the other volunteers went down there and saw that there were tunnels 
present near the trails. He goes, I got goosebumps. And I, and I just felt like if we find her, she's, she's going to be tucked away somewhere. She's not going to be out in the open. And sure enough, based off of what we're hearing, police haven't said as such, but what we're hearing from him and some of the volunteers is that's where they found her body, either in one of those tunnels or near the tunnels. Right. Now, here's some things at the crime scene that would suggest that she was not killed elsewhere. There was a large amount of blood that has been reported in some sources that was at the crime scene. If she's already dead when placed there, you're not going to find a large amount of blood at the crime scene. There was also some drag marks as well. Now, I get it. Yes, drag marks would indicate that the victim was once in one location and then dragged to another location. But these drag marks, from my understanding, Captain, basically start at one of the trails and work its way down near toward that tunnel. So either somebody carried her in or someone's carried her in and then had to drag her the rest of the way. What the crime scene would suggest to all of us is that she was attacked at the scene, probably attacked on the trail because that's where she most likely would have been trekking the trail, traveling the trail and attacked there and then dragged to the location where her body was eventually found. The other information that came out is that she was found on her back and nude. And some of the very disturbing details were that one side of her face had pretty much been removed or destroyed. Now, we can surmise a few things from these details that are coming out. Again, it sounds like the attack went down at this location, that there's not another location where she was attacked and then placed here. This, we base this off of the amount of blood at the location. The other thing, too, is the terrain itself and the location where she's found is suggestive of what could be the murder weapon or what she was attacked with. That damage to the side of her face very likely came from either a tree branch or a rock. And we've seen large rocks, heavy rocks used, unfortunately, in a lot of attacks. And the other unfortunate thing, too, is it's not out of the realm of possibility because we've seen it happen time and time again, unfortunately, where a woman is out jogging, out running, and attacked by a stranger. We did our murder joggers case years ago where we featured two different cases. Both of them have arrests were made. In both cases, the perpetrator did not know the victim. We did the Molly Tibbetts case. She's out jogging and the perpetrator pulls up alongside of her in his vehicle, starts trying to talk to her, gets out and starts running next to her. She threatens to call the police. That case was awful. That guy did not know the victim. We talk about Delphi. Two girls essentially abducted and then killed near a trail system in Indiana. And there's nothing to suggest that the perpetrator or the person that was arrested for that crime knew either one of those victims. So unfortunately, this does happen. And unfortunately, a lot of times it is the crime scene and the nature of this homicide is suggestive that she was likely ambushed and that this was a sexually motivated crime and she was killed at the scene. And I'm hoping and praying based off of the information that I've reviewed that it was, it was quick and she didn't even know what happened because if you try to play this out in your mind, she's either walking, running, hiking that trail and the perpetrator jumps out, ambushes her, hits her to be able to gain control over her, and then moves her to a more secluded location. Because whatever it was that he intended to do to the victim required a certain amount of privacy. The other thing that I'm wondering here too, Captain, is we're going to be told by investigators that they do. We talk so much about transfer theory and transference Old of transfer theory, our trans good buddy transference of evidence in these cases, mm -hmm. you can find vic 
victim evidence on your perpetrator or on his belongings. You can also find evidence of your perpetrator on your victim or at the crime scene. And so in this situation, what I'm wondering with the amount of blood that's described at the scene, it would stand to reason that the perpetrator himself likely became very bloodied, covered in blood, at least his clothing. You have to wonder, did, did, did he discard any of his clothing at the scene? Uh, so he wouldn't be seen leaving the trails covered in blood. Did he, attempt to bury a shirt or gloves or anything at the scene that were covered in blood. So he wouldn't be seen leaving again. This is a trail system that is frequented by many people. Yeah. It makes you wonder if they're uh, eyewitness to maybe see the attack, but saw somebody with, you know, sus- suspicious markings like covered in blood also makes you wonder how the murderer gets to the trail system. Did they, did they, were they running? Were they riding a bike? Did they drive there? Do they live close? How well would they know the trail system? Did they know? We, we talk about this Michael G character who was right. involved in the search, and he said he had, he lives nearby and never been to the trails. And he, even though he was envisioning tunnels, he never he didn't know any tunnels were there. Right. We should also be very clear, too, not only has the boyfriend been cooperative with police, but he voluntarily gives them his DNA very early in this investigation. Again, could mean everything or could mean nothing. I mean, Chris Watts was <laughs> cooperative with police, and we, we know how that turned out. The Harford County Sheriff's Office has been really great about updating the public in this case, not only asking the public for their help and their assistance with possible information, photos, videos, taken at trailheads or on the trails themselves, but also providing updates to the public close and across the country. The Harford County Sheriff's Office has a YouTube page, and on that page, they have been releasing regular press conference type news updates in the Rachel Morin case. And here is the first of those updates. This came out just about a month ago. Hi, this is Hartford County Sheriff Jeff Gaylor. It's been four days since Rachel Morin went missing and three days since her body was located, the victim of a violent homicide. As your sheriff, I wanted to update all of you on where the investigation stands and what we are doing to keep our citizens safe. Currently, there are 10 investigators assigned to our Criminal Investigations Division who have been and will continue to work around the clock on this investigation. These detectives, along with forensic investigators and crime analysts, have been scouring every detail of the days, hours, minutes, and seconds before Rachel died in order to put together the pieces of a comprehensive timeline. Our Hartford County community, as usual, has been amazing. And again, I knew you would be. It's what makes me the most proud when our citizens step up and work together in times of need. Through you, our Facebook page and reach has gone over 2 million people. You have brought forth more than 100 tips and they are still pouring in. Some of your tips have been promising and tremendous in advancing the investigation and bringing us closer to getting the answers that we need the answers that Rachel's family needs, and the answers that our community needs. Each tip helps bring the picture into focus, so I ask you to keep sending them in. Even if it's something you think is insignificant, that might be the key piece of evidence or information we are looking for. I also know many of you are nervous to spend time on the trail, concerned that there might be someone in our midst preying on women. Please know that as your sheriff, but also as a husband and father of two daughters, I understand your fears. If you went out to the trail today, you will see a heavy presence of deputies patrolling by foot, by bike, and by all-terrain vehicle. To enhance our efforts, just yesterday morning, the Hartford County Sheriff's Foundation dropped off a check for $20,000 to support the purchase of a second off-road utility vehicle. This will fill an immediate need to have an off-road utility vehicle at each end of the trail, and these proactive patrols will continue into the future in an effort 
to keep everyone safe who utilizes our hiking trails. I understand many of you want answers, and we do too. What I can tell you for sure is this was an intentional taking of a person's life. Please know we are holding details close to help ensure a suspect is brought to justice. There will be a time when I can share more, and when we can, I promise to answer as many of your questions as I can. It's a delicate balance to help the public stay informed, but it cannot be at the expense of a quality investigation. One question we have continued to get centers around whether we have interviewed the boyfriend in this case. The answer is yes, we have, along with many other people who are close to Rachel. That is the way an investigation is conducted. We start with people who are in her close inner circle and others who have made known her or she have encountered and work outward. Please be safe to take care of each other. Watch out for each other. Together we will solve this crime and find the heinous coward who took Rachel Morin from her family and friends. Thank everybody for joining us here in the garage. Join us back here, same bat time, same bat channel. And until then, be good, be kind, and don't litter.